this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode chinese president xi jinping and his american counterpart joe biden met for over 3 hours on november 14 ahead of the g20 meeting in indonesia It was their first face-to-face meeting as heads of state. Readouts from the two sides suggest that both Xi and Biden did some tough talking, reiterating old positions and supposed red lines. Both sides agreed to keep talking and resume engagement on climate change and issues related to global economic stability, even as their differences persisted. To discuss the significance of the meeting, I am joined from Beijing by the Hindu-China correspondent Anand Krishnan. Welcome to the In Focus podcast, Anand. Thank you so much, Amit. So, Anand, tell tell me, what do you make of uh, this meeting in uh, Indonesia? I think, Amit, the significance is that there was a sense here in Beijing, and I think in Washington as well, that the relationship has generally been in free fall. Uh, that there were too many points of tension that were rising, uh, and. especially since august uh, after the us house speaker nancy pelosi visited taiwan a lot of engagement and channels between the us and china were essentially closed off uh, which is obviously uh, not an ideal situation when they have uh, so many problems so i think the limited significance of this meeting is a sense from both sides uh, that this can't continue I think both have made uh, some concessions to enable a restarting of engagement through various joint working groups. Uh, they've also announced that Secretary of State Blinken will be traveling to China to take things forward. So it is significant in terms of a resumption of engagement, uh, reflecting, uh, I think, a sense of concern on both sides that they needed to arrest uh, this continuing slide in re- in relations. Of course, uh, we can talk about this more, Amit. It doesn't mean any of their problems have been solved. and i think that it was very clear from what both presidents said uh, they have very different views on key issues uh, that they are dealing with uh, but in so far as resuming engagement i think that uh, this is a significant meeting and what do you make of the fact that you know joe biden said that you know the, the two countries uh, will compete vigorously you know and the us will compete vigorously with the people's republic of china i think the the us president has been quite upfront you know and uh, you know of course the rest of the world will wonder whether uh, you know they can prevent their competition from veering into conflict in fact uh, right after president biden took over one of the first things that his administration said which i think uh, anthony blinken spelled out in terms of their china policy was that they will compete where they must and they would also cooperate where they can and right off the bat this message about competition didn't go down well in beijing uh, a lot of people in beijing uh, uh, wrote that they felt biden was essentially carrying forward the donald trump administration's approach to china and beijing of course has blamed uh, trump's trade war for essentially bringing relations to to the low point they currently are at uh, so they have right off the bat uh, taken offense to this notion of uh, you know the biden administration embracing competition with china uh, and that's something that xi jinping actually also rebutted in his remarks uh, yesterday uh, where he said that you know china was opposed to countries looking at the relationship as a competitive one uh, and i think that so that right off the bat even the fact of how they define the relationship 
the define the essential characteristics of the relationship is something they differ on. So in that sense, I wouldn't read too much into points of agreement from their meeting in Bali. Uh, I see it more as a kind of effort to reopen channels that were closed. Uh, but on a number of issues, I mean, from not only how they characterize the relationship, but even to human rights, uh, to the whole democracy versus authoritarianism debate, which the Biden administration has also emphasized, uh, to Taiwan, to trade, you really, you, you when you look at the two readouts from Beijing and Washington, it really looks like both sides are drawing their own red lines. And so it's difficult to see where they go forward on many of these thorny issues. And it's interesting to see the readouts, uh, you know, concentrate on the issues they're interested in and basically leave out everything else. Uh, that's right. And if you look at Russia and Ukraine as an example, it's quite interesting that the the U.S. readout refers to Biden raising, as he put it, Russia's brutal war and irresponsible threats of nuclear use. And the U.S. readout claims that Biden and she actually uh, had an agreement uh, that nuclear war should never be fought uh, and that they both jointly had opposed the use or even the threat of nuclear weapons, which is an implicit criticism of Russia. But interestingly, Amit, the Chinese statement did not even mention anything about uh, Russia's threats of nuclear use. And in fact, it said that while China supports the resumption of dialogue between Russia and Ukraine, at the same time, they wanted the US and NATO and EU to also reach out to Russia. So you can look at both sides framing the same issue in very uh, different ways. And I think the Russia-Ukraine issue uh, was quite a clear example of that. So, Anant, uh, you know, the Global Times uh, writes in an editorial that, you know, China-U.S. ties can't deteriorate further and also points out that this meeting shows that they still have commonalities. And uh, the newspaper wants the U.S. to meet China halfway. Do you think that's a kind of appropriate description of, um, uh, you know, the relationship between the U.S. uh, and China as it stands today? Well, that's how the Chinese see it uh, in the sense that they have, of course, there's something that Washington rejects where the Chinese view has been that the entire relations is because of what uh, Trump did uh, and because of Biden not rectifying that. But the US view, of course, which I think is also a credible argument they make, is that, of course, there were Chinese actions as well that have driven uh, this sort of tensions and relations, not just going back to the Trump administration, but previously into the Obama administration. Uh, even from, you know, commitments to not militarize the South China Sea, which Xi Jinping made uh, while in the U.S. And of course, they overturned that from uh, China's approach to Taiwan, uh, which the U.S. side sees as, uh, you know, pushing the status quo. Of course, the Chinese have a completely different view. They look at the U.S. doing the same thing. Uh, So I think for an observer, it's obviously clear that both sides have taken steps that have have led uh, to this downturn in relations. The Global Times piece that you mentioned reflects the Beijing view, which is the U.S. has to correct its mistakes for ties to get on, to get back on track. But I think there are many uh, question marks here, Amit. I think uh, one thing that a lot of people will be looking at uh, is uh, it seems right now that the Republicans are quite close to control of the House uh, and the potentially the, the successor to Nancy Pelosi has already said that he would want to Uh, visit uh, Taiwan, and that's Kevin McCarthy, uh, if he does become Speaker of the House. And I think if he does go ahead with with becoming the second U.S. House Speaker to visit Taiwan within a matter of months, then I think everything that they've sort of worked on 
restore ties, I think, uh, might go out of the window. So I think there are a lot of uncertainties here, especially in terms of the influx domestic political situation in the U.S. and how that might play out. Because as much as the Biden administration might want to stabilize things with China, I think it's going to be a lot more complicated than that, especially if you're going to have a changed political situation in the U.S. Yeah, President Xi also warned about, uh, you know, trade and technology wars being unleashed by the U.S. And we do know that uh, the U.S. has imposed some non-tariff barriers and basically said that, you know, its nationals can't be working in companies uh, that make the chips uh, which are intended for China. How serious do you think uh, is this uh, issue? I think the Chinese are probably this is top of their concerns in terms of the export controls because the fact is, uh, despite China throwing so much money and having some limited success, of course, uh, in uh, boosting its capabilities at home uh, in terms of uh, technology and innovation, uh, their companies are still reliant uh, to a to a large degree uh, when it comes to some imports and chips being one of them. And I think that China's semiconductor industry is taking a huge hit from new export controls. And that's something that Xi Jinping mentioned. Uh, and I think they their basic grouse is they feel the Biden administration has broadly continued the kind of measures that Donald Trump imposed uh, in terms of the trade and technology war that essentially the U.S. and, uh, and Chinese side have been uh, embroiled in for the last few years now. And I think for China, it's been kind of a rude awakening that there's a strong bipartisan consensus in the U.S. in terms of looking at China as a serious strategic competitor and limiting Chinese access to technology that people on both sides of the political divide in the U.S. feel has been undercutting U.S. capabilities. Uh, And I think that in this, as much as Xi Jinping is raising this, uh, and even though he, I think we should also note here, Amit, that even though he kind of you know, made conciliatory noises in his remarks to Biden in Bali, speaking about, you know, both sides looking at the big picture and the like. Just last month in October at the party congress uh, here in Beijing, he actually, without naming the US, he had much more darker language, speaking of external threats to China from people who are bullying uh, and from people who are, you know, disrupting supply chains. And obviously he was talking about the US. So I think as much as he's trying to sort of frame this la- this latest meeting as uh, both sides trying to fix relations and the relationship being a cooperative one and not necessarily a competitive one. Uh, if you look at some of the rhetoric domestically in China, uh, it actually paints a much more darker picture of where they look at things heading. And, and Anand, what do you make of she saying that, uh, you know, the two countries should take history as a mirror and let it guide the future? Uh, can you explain that to us in English? <laughs> no, to me, again, Amit, it points to uh, the similar sort of language that he that he uses in such meetings. He also spoke about, you know, uh, the leaders of countries needing to be statesmen uh, and, you know, looking at big picture terms and looking at the interests of the world uh, and ensuring that their relationship serves the interests of the world. So I think that these are things that, as, that he might say in these diplomatic settings. Uh, there's also a very interesting reference, Amit, to him saying that, uh, you know, China had no interest in interfering with uh, the U.S.'s internal politics and that China had no interest in replacing the U.S. Uh, or uh, changing the world order or something to that effect. Uh, but again, I think uh, people would look carefully at a language that you see internally being used in China, 
where they speak about a world of uncertainty, a period of strategic opportunity and risks for China, a period of China carving out a greater space for itself in the world, uh, and, and a period of a world order in flux, as well as you repeatedly hear in terms of Communist Party scholars and the like, say in Beijing, uh, they're wanting to challenge U.S. hegemony. So what he says publicly in, t- in the setting with Biden is quite starkly different from what even the Communist Party says officially at home domestically in China. So I think we have to keep in mind here that uh, the narrative domestically and the narrative externally are always going to be different. And I would say that look more carefully at what they say at home in terms of what China's ambitions are. Uh, I think it's a tactical engagement and a tactical outreach with the U.S. at the moment, given China's own domestic challenges. Uh, Xi Jinping, beginning his third five-year term in October, presents a chance for him to, I think, do this with all countries. You're seeing that in this flurry of diplomacy from Xi, who's also meeting with the French president in Bali, and he hosted the German chancellor uh, barely a few days into his third term. And I think all of this shows that he wants to begin his third term uh, with this uh, diplomatic outreach to the world. Uh, and at the same time, China is dealing with huge domestic issues and challenges, uh, starting with its slowing economy and the continuing zero COVID policy here in Beijing. Uh, so I would say this is technical, but tactical, but we should be clear in terms of China's long-term view of its relations with the U.S. as being a competitive one remains unchanged. And you would say that their internal messaging is uh, you know, far more important than what they say tactically abroad. Absolutely. And I would uh, pay more attention to that. And actually what they say internally gels a little bit with what you hear Biden administration officials speak publicly in terms of this being a period of strategic competition uh, between China and the U.S., which obviously everybody knows. Uh, So to me, you get a clearer sense of how Beijing views the current moment in ties uh, from, from kind of the more direct language you see being used at home rather than some of the bromides that are usually said in terms in diplomatic settings. So then, you know, one of the things from the U.S. readout, I mean, uh, uh, when Biden talks about, um, you know, uh, China being a competitor, it also talks about its allies and partners. And we know that India is quite central to the U.S. scheme of things now. So what does this mean for India? I think for not only India, but for most countries in the region, more confrontational U.S.-China relations is a reality. You've seen reports quoting some officials uh, in ASEAN uh, and in the region that they are kind of somewhat relieved to see a resumption of engagement between uh, the U.S. and China following the Biden-Chi meeting. And you've seen even uh, the G20 host country, Indonesia's president, say that essentially say that the region does not want to be embroiled in another Cold War. That's very much the wish of countries in the region, especially in Southeast Asia, where China remains the biggest trading partner. The U.S., for many of them, remains the biggest security provider. So they've kind of uh, been happy to have uh, one leg in each boat and to keep that going, even though that's become much more difficult uh, as relationships turn confrontational. But I would still see this as, uh, as I just mentioned, as somewhat of a tactical pause. And I think the the broader, longer-term scenario of more confrontational U.S.-China relations is something that countries in the region are definitely going to have to navigate. Uh, as far as India is concerned, you've seen much more harsh language from Chinese officials and experts, especially about the Quad, which they keep referring to as a small clique, a small group. Xi Jinping himself is 
repeatedly referenced small clicks. Uh, and I think that you've seen that in terms of China's more difficult relationships recently with other Quad partners, such as Australia, especially. India, of course, uh, it is interesting, Amit, that uh, Xi Jinping is going to be meeting, has announced already confirmed meetings with three of the four Quad countries. He's met Biden and he's uh, going to hold uh, meetings with uh, Japan's prime minister and Australia's prime minister as well. Of course, Prime Minister Modi and President Xi haven't met in three years. So India is kind of unusual in the Quad in having its own set of much more complicated difficulties with China because of the situation on the line of actual control, which remains unresolved. So I think that if all countries are going to have a difficulty navigating this uh, continuing difficult US-China situation, India is is probably facing even more complexities uh, given the boundary situation with China as well. Uh, Anand, you know, we've seen uh, it, maybe it's a pattern or there's some similarities that, you know, there's often huge tensions between the U.S. and China. But we also know that they are massive trading partners, the two countries, and they have stakes in each other's economy. And there, there has been a you know tendency to sort of back away from confrontation on many an occasion. So do you think this kind of uh, this atmosphere that has been seen in Bali do you think the two countries will persist with it, or do you think it's going to be a short-lived moment? I think that depends, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, also in how things turn out domestically in the U.S. I think one big X factor will be, say, if you have another prominent visit, for instance, from the new House Speaker to Taiwan, I think that uh, China will be under huge pressure to respond again. Uh, they, when Pelosi visited, of course, they carried out these encirclement military exercises now they'll be under pressure to do something greater than or equal to what they did in August. Uh, so I think there are a lot of uncertainties in terms of how things play out. And some of this is beyond the control of the Biden administration, uh, since obviously they, can't, they don't have a control over what, someone, what the House Speaker can do. Uh, so there are a lot of uncertainties that to me suggest that it still remains an open question. Uh, I think it's too early to tell whether they've actually turned the corner. And to me, the engagement that we saw in Bali seemed more like both sides just wanting to try at least for the moment uh, and put a pause in the slide uh, that we've seen and open limited avenues of engagement and cooperation, such as joint working groups, restart joint working groups on climate change uh, to cooperate in terms of global macroeconomic stability and continue dialogues on that front. So it is a limited sort of reopening. But I think there are lots of ifs and buts uh, along the way to see how this pans out in the, in the next few weeks and months ahead. Anand Krishnan, the Hindus China correspondent, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus uh, In Focus podcast. Thank you so much, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.